If you haven't done so already, make sure that you check out our Sunday School video. This time it's on Genesis chapter 2. Your word gives me hope in my heart. 
Your word gives me hope in my hope in my heart. Your word gives me hope in my heart. Your word I must hide in my heart in my heart. Your word I must hide in my heart in my heart. Your word I must hide in my heart. Welcome again to another Sunday service. Today we're actually going to be in John chapter 10, which, by the way, in this chapter of John, is the only time that we find something that really looks like a parable in John's Gospels. Because, you know, whenever you go back to what a parable is, you know, all the other Gospels, they talk about parables and they are part of Jesus's teaching. Well, parables were intended to kind of hide Jesus's teachings from those people who really didn't care to find out the truth about it. The parables needed time in order to figure it out. So those people who truly wanted to put in the effort and truly wanted to understand what Jesus had to say, they'd figure it out. However, one thing that John does do in his gospel is he mentions several times about how people misunderstood Jesus. We'll see that even in the text uh, that we're going to be taking a look at today. So let's uh, take a look at these things together. This is also in the I Am series, and this time we're looking at the statement that Jesus makes where he says, I am the gate. In John chapter 10, verses 7, and then also again in verse 9, I want to read these two because this is where we find that statement about how Jesus says, I am the gate. We read in verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And in verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So these two times, Jesus says that he is the gate. He makes this I am statement. I am the gate. And this is important because, you know, as I pointed out several times before, and I will continue to point these things out, whenever you see a phrase, if it's the exact same phrase, most certainly, but, you know, sometimes it's even a similar phrase that's repeated either a verse or two uh, just after it's just stated by Jesus, that means we got to pay attention. There's something important, and this one is important to understand that Jesus is the gate. So let's take a look at this statement and kind of unpack it a little bit together. The first thing I want us to, to notice is, what did Jesus actually say? You know, what, what was he talking about? Well, you know, he actually talks about sheep. He talks about a sheep pen, you know, like where they would, they would be housed, which, by the way, some of these things the, and the way that they dealt with sheep is going to be a little different than how we deal with sheep. Um, you know, today, but yet we still kind of get it. We, we understand about a sheep pen. He's going to talk about gates. He's going to talk about a gatekeeper. He's also going to talk about a thief or a robber. But really, those are the things that he says. That's what he talks about. But he means so much more than that. Well, let's take a look at what he said. Verses 1 through 5 of John 10. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So what is Jesus saying here? You know, what did he say? Yeah, he was talking about these different images. He was talking about these sheep, the pen, the gate, and all, all these other things that we see here. But what he was talking about was more than that. What he was talking about goes deeper than that. What he was saying is that he, Jesus Christ, he is the one that they've been waiting for. You know, they kept waiting for the Messiah to come and that he was going to, to shepherd the people. He's going to lead the people. He's going to be anointed by God. And Jesus is making this statement that he is that one that they've been waiting for. He is genuine. He's true. He is right. He's righteous. And also he came just as he said he would come. You know, he didn't come in by some other way. You know, he, he talks about here in verse uh, one that those the, the person who is a thief and who is a robber, uh, they climb in by some other way besides entering in in this gate. But Jesus is making the statement, no, he came right in just as he said he was going to come. There are dozens of passages, uh, you know, perhaps even, I guess you might say, hundreds of passages that describe how Jesus was going to come and exactly what type of person he was going to be. And he fulfilled these things. You know, this is, it's a wonderful study to take a look at those prophecies in the Old Testament and see how Jesus Christ fulfilled them. But he came just as he said he would. He came in a very genuine way because he was true. He was righteous. He didn't have to sneak around. We know that whenever, you know, someone is climbing over some fence, we know that they're really not supposed to be there. I mean, you know, maybe every once in a while, that person might have locked themselves out and, and maybe they have to climb in by some way that's, that's not the traditional way. But most of the time, if you see somebody entering in some way that looks a little different, there's a reason for that. And here what Jesus says is, they're a thief, they're a robber. They don't belong there. But what Jesus says is that he does belong. He came and he is this one, just like he said he was going to come. But there's more than what Jesus has to say, too. So let's look at the second thing together. What was he telling them? Okay, he spoke about sheep and all these images, but what was he actually telling them? Well, he was st stating that just like sheep only follow the one that they know, Israel and really other nations as well, they are now being called to follow Jesus. Now, will they answer the call? Th that's entirely up to them. Some of them do, some of them don't, but you know, that still is what the call is. The call is to follow Jesus. Verse six of John 10, we read, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They didn't understand? Well, they didn't understand because they didn't want to. They weren't really listening to his voice. They didn't know him, that is, they didn't know Jesus, and really, they weren't listening to the voice of God. I mean, they might have thought that they were. They might have been very genuine in what they were doing and thought that they were doing what was pleasing before God. But they weren't listening to what God was doing in their midst. And what God was doing was he was bringing his son, Jesus Christ, in their midst. And he was doing great things through Jesus. But they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't listen to his voice. They didn't spend the time to understand. Well, you know, what about us? Are we going to do a little bit better than that? Are we going to take the time to understand who Jesus is and what his purpose uh, was and still is? The third thing, what is he teaching us? See, I believe that to those who have 
ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, he teaches us. So what is he teaching us in this passage? What does it mean that he is the gate? Verses 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what we find out from this passage are a few things if we are willing to open up our ears and to listen to what the Spirit is saying, to listen to what Jesus is saying. There's things that we, that we can learn if we will let him teach us. So what is he teaching us from here? He's teaching us a few things. And we see this example about, you know, these thieves, these robbers, the gates, the sheep. He's not really talking about any of those things exactly. He's just using those as an illustration, just like the parables are. The parables are not really talking about uh, people or sheep or different things like that. You know, they're, they're talking about more than that. Not necessarily a specific person, but yet a type of, of person. And here we find out about these sheep. Well, the sheep who are supposed to be us, the flock of God, the, the fold of God, the ones who are following God. Verse 8 tells us that the sheep do not listen to the thief or the robber. Why don't they listen to them? Because they don't know the voice. It's a strange voice to them. They don't just go after these strange voices. Sheep do, however, they listen to the voice of the shepherd. They listen to the voice of Jesus. And that's what Jesus is trying to, to get them to recognize. They're not listening to his voice. So if they're not listening to his voice, what does that say about the type of sheep that they are? We, as the sheep of God, we don't listen to the thieves. We don't listen to the robbers. We listen to the voice of our shepherd. We listen to the voice of our God. Another thing that we find out here in this connection with this statement that Jesus says, I am the gate. Now, you know, we've got to understand something about this gate. The gate, yeah, just like how we think of a gate, you know, it opens up. Some translations might even say that, you know, I am the door. Well, you know, he is this gate, he is this door in which he opens up and allows us to come in. Now, when you're talking about sheep, going in and out of the, the sheep pen was important because whenever you would go into the sheep pen, you would get the safety within the pen. But you had to go out of the pen in order to find pasture, in order to get food, in order to get the things that sustain you. And Jesus uses this example that says that he is this gate. He is the one who we must go through in order to enter into this fold of God. The, the connection that he makes right here in verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Do you want to be saved? I mean, of course you want to be saved. We all want to be saved. The only way for us to be saved is through Jesus Christ. He is this gate. And we have this promise that we can enter through this gate of Jesus Christ. But do you remember what else Jesus has said about this gate? Do you remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus spoke about that gate there too. He wasn't so much talking about himself, but he was talking about this gate. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. That's the type of gate that Jesus is. That's the type of gate that Jesus provides, the one that will give us life. We can be saved by entering through and entering into Jesus Christ.
We also find out that in the same verse, in verse 9, he talks about how we can be saved, but then he says, you know, come in and go out and then find pasture. So all these things about the daily life of what a sheep had to do in order to get their daily needs met, it all dealt with this gate, going in and out of this gate. That can only be found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one through which we are saved. Jesus is the one through which we are sustained, that he keeps us going. He keeps us alive. What type of life is that? Well, look with me at verse 10. He contrasts that thief and he says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, to destroy. That's not Jesus. That's what those other people who have, who have claimed to be something great, but they really aren't. Jesus Christ, he claimed to be something great. He was something great. He is something great. He will always be something great. He's not like that thief. He contrasts that thief with himself and he says, I have come that they may have life. But notice this last phrase. I love this last phrase because I think that if you end before you get to that last phrase, you've missed something big. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, depending on your translation, that, that can be about this full life that we have, but it can be the abundant life that we have. It's not just enough that Jesus allows us to have life. He, he doesn't do that. You know, that, that's, that's not as far as what Jesus goes. He gave his life for our life, you know, in place of our life. He was that sacrifice. Yes, he came to give us life. The type of life that Jesus offers us. It's this full life. In fact, I would say that the only ones who truly know what everything life has, has to offer is all about, they are Christians. You know, sometimes people, people look and they, they say that, well, being a Christian, it limits you because you've got all these rules that you have to follow. I mean, yes, there are things that God asks of us, but all the things that God asks of us, it has to do with living this full life. You know, you can go back all the way to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, and he gave them these two different ways. He said, you can eat from the tree of life or you can eat from this other tree, this tree, the knowledge of good and evil. You shouldn't eat from that because if you eat from that tree, then death is what it will bring. So you can look at that and you can say, well, he's limiting what they can do. But really what he's doing is he's pointing out the way of life. Yeah, they could eat from either tree, but obviously their choices are going to have deep impact into how they live their life. That's the same with us. We can choose to live in a life of sin, but it won't be the life that God has designed for us. It won't be the life that Jesus is calling us to live in. And there will be consequences to that life. Yeah, we know that a lot of people will do that because we find out that it's, it's the broad way. We have got to enter through this narrow gate, through this narrow pathway, and follow Jesus Christ because he wants what's best for us. He came that we may have life and have it to the fullest. Let's live that full life and share it with others. Abundant life, Christ left the light, the light of heaven, so darkness could be forgiven. Servant to be, himself did he, he gave his life to breathe the abundantly, abundant life, Christ grants to us, to us past measure, to his incorruptible treasure, grace to set free, 
Bequeathing me his purity So that I might live abundantly Abundant life Christ pleads for us In dark temptations And saves us from condemnation Rescued at sea Hope in that sweet, sweet story Saved so that I might 